Listener note, this episode contains discussion of alleged child sexual abuse and suicide. Having escaped a harrowing situation, Teal Bosworth took shelter with a newfound love. Together, they began harnessing her spiritual gifts, putting on workshops, providing therapy sessions, and churning out Teal's teachings to the masses. But it seemed the more people she reached, the more were being harmed. This week's episode is Teal Swan, Spiritual Influencer or Modern Day Cult Leader, Part 2. Fills with dread, probably a murderer who wants you dead. It could be a ghost, a demon, or worse. Perhaps you're the victim of a witch's curse. It's hopeless, you're doomed. You'd call a priest if you could. You'd rather just listen to who? Sinisterhood. We had quite a lot of feedback from part one. Thanks to everybody who wrote in uh, several mental health professionals, uh, you know, commenting on things and uh, writing in. I learned that Teal Swan's use of the phrase idiot savant, that's out of the that's not a thing that we say anymore. Good to know. She called herself that. But now I love when we learn a new thing. So thank you for the the folks that told us about that. But I also read she calls herself a medical savant. I don't even know if that's an actual thing, but she calls herself it. She calls herself a lot. We also ran into, she just, her version changes. So even if it's her telling mm-hmm. the same story five times, you're going to get five different, even if it's slightly, versions of it. So we're to always, no matter what, telling as much as we can, as well as we can with what's available and what's changed. Yeah, uh, these are hard. These are hard ones to cover because it's all over the place. So to make a... um kind of streamlined narrative to make it digestible for everyone can be a bit of a challenge. So if it sounds confusing, that's because it is. It is. We did have a listener write in that on the subject of Barbara Snow, this listener is a counselor in Utah, grew up in Utah, had a friend grow up with her in Utah who saw Barbara Snow and then came out of therapy with the version of events that we were talking about was Teal's experience as far as the violent mental imagery, things like that, this listener wrote in and said, oh, my gosh, my friend told me this exact same thing happened to her. So it just so happens two people growing up in Utah, both treated by this counselor, both are coming out with these parallel. And I'm sure that this listener's friend's not the only one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's a, as I said in the first one, it's a weird hill to die on, a weird obsession <sighs> Um, but more than that, extremely harmful, and people like that should not be allowed to help anyone that's no. in a vulnerable position and is seeking uh, medical and psychological and mental help. So maybe, just maybe, she'll stop practicing. Maybe this yeah. podcast will be what does it. That's right. We're the ones that did it. Yeah, and that's the other thing is that that same person goes, I- I'm practicing in Utah. And like, holy shit, how does she have a license? Great question. I wonder if it's all that a lot of the satanic panic stuff happened so long ago that they can't pursue it now, like when they would maybe be interested in pursuing it. Maybe she shouldn't do it anymore. I was reading, though, that a recent article, even though that happened in the 80s, it's kind of all coming back because of QAnon. Oh, Wow. So well, just these these grandiose and wild, unbelievable claims of things happening that there's really 
no truth to it and, you know, mm-hmm. investigations come up with nothing. But it's diehard beliefs that people will, you know, uproot and change their whole lives over, blow their whole families up over. It is bizarre. And I think it's in the newest Nathan Fielder. The rehearsal is the one of the participants says, oh, Halloween, that's the Satanist. And they go out and they do and just says it. I watched the newest one. Very matter of factly of of something, you know, QAnon believing or teachings or things you read on the Internet. Of She just goes, well, you just have to research it. He goes, well, I, I you know, Halloween's kind of pagan, right? No, it's the Satanists and you mm. just aren't on the right websites. And it's like, God, you're right. It's the same lessons we should have learned from the 80s but haven't. We that could be said of many things. A lot of stuff. Yes. Well, if you haven't listened to part one, I suggest you go back and do that because this part two will make a whole lot of sense. I know a lot of people save these up. So if you're now listening to part three or you're about to because it just came out, then good for you. You have like six hours of content. (laughs) Hope you're (laughs) on a fun road trip or something. (laughs) Well, I'm Christy. I'm Heather. And let's get into it. Self-described spiritual catalyst, Teal Swan, began practicing her spiritual teachings on others shortly after moving in with Blake Dyer at age 19. Speaking to groups of 20 to 30 people at the Cosmic Spiral in Salt Lake City, Teal began introducing her healing techniques to an audience. Teal's healing sessions weren't limited just to public places. In open shadow, Teal told documentarians about a man that showed up one day at the house she shared with Blake in Park City, Utah. According to Teal, the man was struggling with substance abuse and was seeking her help. Teal helped the man, and in turn, the man helped Teal. She told the filmmakers that he convinced her to go back to therapy to help her deal with her pain and trauma. Teal admits that therapy eventually helped her come to terms with her abuse, but that the intensity of it nearly broke her. After one particular breakthrough session, Teal told the documentarians of Open Shadow that she became unable to deal with her past or present and again attempted suicide. In the film, Teal reads an excerpt from the journal she was keeping at the time, which said in part, My life is in crumbs at my feet. This is hell on earth. One minute is one year between the walls of my life right now. Regardless of what was going on, she was clearly struggling and Whatever help she thought she had received from Barbara Snow didn't seem to uh, take because all of this keeps resurfacing even in her adult years. Oh, yeah. And that's another one of the other um, counselors that reached out. It's a listener said, you know, listening to it, if you have to analyze it, this does sound like a person who underwent abuse and harm because they said it's really unlikely for someone to commit that amount of self-harm that many times absent some underlying causal factor. So it's like you can't deny that there was some type of abuse that happened, whether then it was made worse because of, the you know, maybe mushing around with, you know, you take the truth and make it even worse Mm -hmm. because your brain then goes, oh, this is real now. And then that's something else you have to unlayer and unpack. But yeah, she's uh, at least she was trying to find some sort of treatment, help. As Teal began to spiral into a deep depression, those closest to her felt helpless. Eventually, in 2006, at age 22, Teal married Mark Scott, a man she had been dating for a while. Soon, the couple had a son together, Winter Scott. Teal claims that Winter was born with the same abilities as her, and is, in fact, even more gifted than she is. Teal credits the birth of her son as her saving grace, 
granting her the clarity she needed to allow her to fully embrace her abilities and use them to help others. If you're going to run an empire, you got to have a successor. I suppose so. She said that she, um, you know, like a lot of parents, didn't really know what love was till her son came into her life. And that he, you know, gave her a reason to go on and live. So, you know, that's a lot of pressure to put on someone, first of all. But it's nice that, you know, it seems like she was finding some happiness. But again, like uh, with all things, this is just a Band-Aid. Yeah, it it helped it for that moment. And then it's something else, it's something else, something else. And you haven't fully come to terms with whatever's going on with you. Yeah. So to then now have a child you're responsible for, you know, like they say, you got to put on your, your mask before you can help anybody else get off the plane. So if she's not well, then it's hard for others around her to have a healthy relationship with her. Mm -hmm. The sculptor in the sky. Teal's first book was published in 2011. Capitalizing on its success Teal decided to film a weekly YouTube series called Ask Teal, which Blake produced. Videos of the workshops she offered were also uploaded to her channel and viewed by the millions of online followers she had quickly amassed. It was during this time Teal also began to develop what she refers to as the completion process. And this was a time when she started in 2011 that she she used the term on the interview with the Gateway podcast I was giving a typical therapy session in my house. So w- she's labeling what she's doing as practicing a mental therapy. health without a license. Mm-hmm. Essentially. I mean, that's what she said. She's like, oh, you know, she came to my house. We had a typical therapy session. I was like, well, you're not a therapist. Yeah. And I also, I've been to a lot of therapists and I wouldn't say what she does is typical of a therapy uh, session. No, that's true as well. That's a little, little different. According to the official process website, the completion process is a comprehensive approach to healing core traumas that recur as emotional triggers that prevent us from living empowered lives free of fear. The completion process is an 18-step visualization that walks you through an emotional trigger following the emotion to the earliest memory, then resolving the child's needs through both the mental visualization of resolution and providing awareness through the adult perspective of the events that occurred. It begins with creating a safe haven in your mind, involves various steps in which you confront repressed memories from the perspective as a child and later as an adult, and ends with a return to consciousness. For a lot of reasons we'll get into in a little bit, this is um, can be harmful It's especially harmful if you don't really have anything you're trying to um, uncover, but instead these memories are being planted in your brain. So then you start uncovering false memories of trauma and abuse. So then you're having to falsely come to terms with those. And now you're complete. uh, Everything is warped. Your perception of reality has become totally warped. And who you can trust, because if you think, I can't trust my family. They lied to me about my father sexually abusing my brother for all these years. And it's like, well, they didn't lie to you about that. But now you think they did. Now they're denying it and Teal saying it happened. And you're, so it really it shakes your foundation. Of and like, who can ruins I trust? your families. Imagine mm-hmm. you're just going along, living your life. And then all of a sudden your daughter comes to you and says, 
well, I need to talk to you about the sexual abuse that I endured from ages. And you're like, what? That mm-hmm. that didn't happen. Where is this coming from? Teal is not the only one able to perform the completion process. For $3,200, individuals can apply to the completion process training to become certified practitioners. The in-person training generally lasts six days. The application website clarifies, Although professional credentials in psychology, counseling, and therapy are preferred, it is not a requirement. At the same time, the site also insists that completion process practitioners have the highest standards of ethics in conduct with the American Counseling Association Code of Ethics. Well, you can have all the ethics you want, but if you're not a certified counselor, yeah, doesn't really matter. Well, and that's the other, there's a, a lot of problems with the completion process in general is the, one of the counselors that message said, you know, that's kind of what you do in therapy, right? You talk about it, work through it. But then at the end, a trained person who's trained in it says, let's close up this wound that we've uncovered and then let's reorganize your brain around this trauma and let's figure out ways to move forward with this. Whereas she is kind of traumatizing them, ending the session and then having other people act out the the trauma with no information because it would be like you're introduced to a random person and you're like, okay, well, you're Bill's mom now. And then it's just improv. Like you're just making it up. And they show this in the documentary and it's very uncomfortable. And the young man who is believes that this woman is channeling his mother, you know, is obviously, uh, grieving in distress he's you know and seems very sincere in his in in everything that he's doing and to know that it's all bullshit Mm -hmm. and this man is believing it because he's just looking for guidance and and comfort that's it's really hard to watch it's very sad yeah, and that's it's re-traumatizing them. And then it's also trauma bonding, right? Because now you've gone through this like horrifying thing together and with Teal there and you all come out and this is like this wash of dopamine over you where you're like, oh, that we all just went through that together. Well, now you want to do anything she says because you want that feeling again. Dr. Todd Grande, who we... Uh, polarizing figure as well. Uh, he, he can be. He, uh, I was watching his breakdown of the documentary... But he made a good point because he is a licensed therapist that a lot of the things Teal brings up in the documentary that she says she doesn't know how to deal with, such as this specific guy who we're talking about right now, developing feelings for her. If you were an actual licensed counselor and therapist, that's something that they tell you Mm -hmm. if this happens, because it is quite common that it happens. This is how you deal with it. Or, you know, there's another situation where she's like, I don't know what to do. I'm completely overwhelmed. And he says, well, if you go to school for these types of things, they teach you exactly what to do when this comes up. So all of these things that she's doing, she she knows just enough to get her in trouble. She's doing like some of it, but then she didn't know the part that's like, and this is how we make sure everyone leaves here okay. Yes, and how you don't become dependent on me so that if I'm unavailable, chaos ensues. Right. And and that's the other thing in the deep end is she says, I have nobody above me. Uh, nobody is as enlightened as me. I'm a super genius. And part of being going through mental health, like whether it's counseling or psychology or whatever, part of becoming a practitioner and a clinician is having 
mentors, right? Like somebody above you, supervisors, so that you go, oh shit, like this this just happened. What do I do? Well, if you're in like a rotation and you have a supervisor working with you, then they can explain to you how to unpack it. If you're just freewheeling it with a YouTube channel, you're playing with real money. That's real people's lives. So you're saying that you go to school to learn from teachers who know more than you. So then you can teach others. And then they give you a test you got to pass kind of the before, they, before they let you loose onto others. Yeah. yeah. But if you just yeah. come out the womb and you're like, I am the top teacher. No one can teach me anything. Mm-hmm. That right there is a huge red flag. Yeah. Yeah. And it's almost- I, uh, I was reading uh, – I told you, I was like, I'm so over this woman because I've read so many articles at this point. And it's really, it's taking a toll on my own mental health to read Mm -hmm. about so many accounts of suicide and just reading so many statistics about that have nothing to do, well, not directly with her, but just the amount of suicides annually in the United States is just staggering. And it's all very depressing to read about. But one thing that stuck out to me in something I read was a quote from, was it the podcast host of Gateway? I can't remember. But basically, when she is saying, I am the end-all, be-all, there's no one above me, you have to do what I am saying, but also all of this is about my own pain and trauma, there's no, there's no room for anybody else's feelings. Yeah, it is centrally focused on her. I've read a an account from a former follower that echoed that absolutely that her pain was the only pain that mm-hmm. mattered, and that if you tried to say, "Well, when you did this," it actually she would lash out at you. And through the completion process, if you know, one of, I believe this follower had been born to a teen mom who was still in school and had expressed throughout this follower's childhood, you know, "I never wanted you. You ruined mm-hmm. my life." Things like that. After revealing this out, Teal would say some of those things to that follower. Mm, Like, using it against her. And then cry about it. You know, of course, the follower would cry about it. It was extremely triggering. And Teal would be like, see, that shows me that you still need my help because you still are not dealing with this trauma. So the trauma is still there. So you haven't dealt with it. So you need to pay another however many dollars to come to this workshop. Yeah. She's a huge bully. And it's it's very sad. And it's, of all the people... Like we talked about in the death industry or this type of industry, when people are at their most vulnerable, that's mm-hmm. when those snakes swoop in and, and take advantage of it. And it's especially sad because these are the people that need help the most. And instead, mm-hmm. it's like, let me fuck you up even more. Yeah. Rick Ross told Vice that he believes the completion process has been integral to Teal gaining control over her followers, saying... Because she understands what their vulnerabilities are and where their weaknesses are, having recovered all that information from those people, she knows exactly how to control them. Which is what you were just saying. She finds out their weaknesses and then she exploits them and uses them against them to keep them under her thumb, which is what any cult leader does. Yeah, and from you know all the footage that's been shot of her, and we'll get into that in part three, more of the footage, but watching The Deep End, if you want to watch along, I know some people are like, oh, I started it now that I started listening to the podcast. You see that. You see these connections that she makes with people and is like, tell me more about that. And it 
if you don't, if you're not working in this professional framework where you say like, as a professional therapist, we do these things. Also learned apparently therapists back in the day was uh, did not always write notes down. So like Barbara Snow not writing your notes down. Nowadays for insurance companies, you have to write it. But having like, we have notes of our session of things we talked about. We have possible ways for you to cope with this, things that work, things that didn't work. But it seems like instead the answer is always her, more of her. Mm -hmm. If you've already had some of her, the answer is more of her. And the only way, like, it seems like you would have a conflict of interest if the only way for someone to continue to see you is through them being traumatized. There would be some sort of a incentive to continue to pluck those strings and traumatize them when then they're upset and in a state of distress and you go well the only solution is you know more me yeah she's an egomaniac for sure she's a narcissist she wants people around her all the time who are kissing her ass and think that they'd fall apart without her and she does whatever she needs to do to ensure that things stay that way and she makes millions doing it yeah keep people clicking the following year, Teal created her company, Teal Eye, a venture that would catapult the guru to the next level of fame. Having divorced Mark Scott, she began seeing a new man in 2012, Sardeep Swan. Sardeep had found Teal online and attended one of her workshops. The pair married just after four weeks of knowing one another. Sardeep told Vice that their marriage was a brilliant marketing tool for her to have someone with a British accent and also with an Indian background. It legitimized her in the New Age community. The newlyweds began doing videos called Tea Time with Teal, which gained her even more followers. Her videos covered everything from religion to finding joy to energy vibration to the meaning of life. Like most spiritual leaders who have amassed their following online, Teal uses SEO to reach potential new followers. SEO, which stands for Search Engine Optimization, is a way for brands and companies to increase the chances their names pop up when people search online for products or services related to their businesses. At first blush, this may not seem problematic. However, after some digging is done into Teal's method, it becomes clear that she is exploiting the vulnerabilities of others to help expand her business. Cher Martinetti, co-host of the podcast Cult Faves, said in an interview with Salon, the quote-unquote market that she's targeting is suicidal people. If you go on YouTube and search for I want to kill myself or I'm feeling suicidal or anything that's related to those search terms, videos by Teal Swan are going to come up first. And she said in some of her videos that suicide is the best option for people. Well, this seems icky. This is when it turns sinister. It's like I was thinking about, you know, how did they recruit cults back in the day? Even like because we covered Buddha Field and that was kind of a pre-internet cult. And it was like having these meetups, you know, going to, you know, yoga retreats, mm -hmm. trying to find like minded individuals. This is such a more efficient way to suck people in where you you're not handing flyers out to everybody. You're handing a digital flyer to the exact person who's already asked for it. It's so sinister. And when targeting. You think about Billions of people, as opposed oh, yeah. to you're standing on a street corner handing out flyers, you're limited to, you know, the people that just walk by. But this gives you infinite reach. Man, the expansion of the possibility for harm. Mm -hmm. It's horrifying. A apparently now, Google, if you Google um, anything about this, it won't autocomplete your Google search for anything suicide or self-harm related. Uh, instead, at the very top, you know, numbers come up for the National Suicide Prevention Hotline and, and other numbers. If you go on YouTube, though, and search, 
I want to kill myself, her videos are the first things that come up. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't, nothing, po- I will say, oh, it does pop up now on YouTube. It does say, talk to someone today. So that's good. Yeah, but her videos still show up. Yeah, it's the third one down. Mm-hmm. What to do if you are suicidal, and then she, it's 20 minutes long. Jennings Brown visited Teal's Costa Rican commune as part of his in-depth research for the podcast, The Gateway. He told Vice that when he asked others at the retreat, who paid upwards of $2,000 to be there, how they learned about Teal, her devotees attribute it to... Some sort of cosmic delivery. Brown went on to say... They're putting out this intention to the universe, and Teal's videos were sort of coming to them. Rather than some sort of divine intervention, Teal's videos were actually reaching the vulnerable individuals because of smart SEO and algorithms. Teal does not dispute this. Brown told Vice that when he questioned the spiritual catalyst about how she reaches her followers, she told him that she basically targets them using basic SEO and basic Google tags. So when people are searching things like I want to kill myself, they find her videos. So to play devil's advocate, because clearly I'm against this woman and I think she is very harmful and problematic. So I'm not agreeing with what she's doing. If she had good intentions, one could argue if someone is Googling, I want to kill myself, and a helpful video pops up, that that might be what they need in that moment. You know, it's 3 a.m. when maybe they don't want to call someone on the phone and and talk. They're just wanting to watch something. It could be helpful. Uh, Yeah, and I'm glad that Google, well, the content of her, as we'll hear, is not helpful, the content that she was putting out. But uh, it is good now that Google, YouTube, any of these things, it's picking up on those phrases. And instead of being like, here's another way to market to these the masses, being like, here are some resources. You know, even if somebody wasn't searching hotline, if they're searching those troublesome phrases to just some sort of digital intervention, just something possible. But yeah, if she wasn't putting out harmful videos, then it's good that you can geo or, you know, target a mm-hmm. very specific audience. As Teal's popularity began to skyrocket, medical professionals began speaking out on the dangers of her ideologies, with many calling her a modern day cult leader. Specifically, her views on death and suicide were called into question. In one of her YouTube videos, Teal sits before a light pink and purple background. In her trademark droll voice, she addresses the camera, saying, What is suicide? It's giving up completely on life. So let yourself physically give up on life by falling on the floor. She then instructs viewers to imagine grisly details of their suicide. Additionally, Teal tells her followers Death is always a choice. And that suicide is a reset button. In one video, she says, We shouldn't just assume that living is always right. There's no point to be on this planet if we're going to be dragging ourselves to be here all the time. Experts disagree with her approach and in an interview with the BBC called her teachings irresponsible and dangerous. Jennings Brown, host of the six-part Gizmodo podcast, The Gateway told Vice that a recent study on suicide contagion staunchly disagrees with the message Teal is espousing. That's one big thing with Teal. She tells people they have to decide whether they're going to commit to life or not. That does not match with how humans behave. The data says nobody is 100% committed to living or death. Even in the middle of a suicide attempt, there's still part of you that wants to live. A 2007 study published in the National Library of Medicine showed that mental imagery is causal determining future behavior. 
What this means is that you are more likely to follow through with an event, good or bad, if you have imagined yourself completing the event. This can be especially harmful for people struggling with suicidal ideations. And that was another of the messages we got from professional mental health professionals who said, you know, what she's doing is beyond just, oh, this is spiritual leadership that apparently when you get to suicidal ideation, the next level of is planning and visualizing. And one practitioner said, in my practice, that's when we ask for someone to be hospitalized. And despite the fact that she's not sitting on YouTube going, you should do this by leading people essentially further down this path of ideation is um, tantamount to being just as harmful as saying that. Yeah. And she argues that, you know, she's trying to take the opposite approach and that for her it worked. And for some that might work. Fully visualizing how you would do something like that and how it would make you feel and how others would feel, that kind of immersion therapy Maybe that worked for her, so she came out feeling relieved, but that doesn't mean it's going to work for everyone. And if you aren't licensed and you have no idea that actually this could be quite harmful and there's a ton of studies that say that it is, then you just start spewing off this bullshit. And next thing you know, people are taking their own lives because of things you've said. When she's self-appointed that, well, I know more than all those studies. Because it yeah. because I'm one single case and it worked for me, so I actually know better. It's like, oh no, that's not how knowledge works. But she's also the smartest person in the world, so no one can tell her no because they're all beneath her in her opinion. That's right. No one's as smart as she is. Dr. Jonathan Singer, president of the American Association of Suicidology, echoed these sentiments in an interview with the BBC, saying When I heard Teal say that suicide can be a reset button, I was disturbed. It suggests you can kill yourself and that things will start over again and be better, and that is not true. The doctor went on to say, She's got these ideas that in her mind are only helpful, but for others, it could be really dangerous. What you're doing when you tell somebody to visualize how they're going to kill themselves is you're telling them to practice in their mind. An exercise, Singer says, is a very effective way of improving your ability to do something. And people do this all the time for positive outcomes. He went on to say that Olympic athletes use this a lot. You know, I mean, it's like anything, meditation, uh, chaos, magic, any type of visualization. You kind of you're like, I really want to get this promotion at work. So you visualize you go on into your boss's office. They tell you, hey, congratulations. Here's your promotion. You visualize going home and telling your family and all of that. And, you know, the idea is. You put out into the universe, you're, you're going to get it back. Alternatively, that could work with harmful things, too. Yeah. And then it you know makes sense. And especially if that's what is taught in the profession and she's not learning that in the profession. She's just going again off. Well, I'm over my head. And some of this stuff, it's like, yeah, you bit off a little bit more than you could chew. Yeah. Jed Flynn, the CEO of the UK suicide prevention charity Papyrus, explained his concerns to the BBC after viewing some of Teal's videos on suicide. It's not helpful in any circumstances to encourage anyone who has thoughts of suicide to imagine their being dead and further to glorify that state. This exercise can only lead to the risk of harm and even death. Such exercises are irresponsible. She's risking the glorification of suicide. Teal argues that while critics call her methods dangerous and that they possibly encourage suicide, she believes her teachings have the opposite effect. She has said in interviews that fully giving herself over to the suicidal thoughts she was having 
and allowing herself to imagine what that would be like, allowed her to escape the constant oppressive thoughts. She says she wants the same freedom for all that are suffering, saying in a statement to the BBC, Suicide is never the answer. My teachings are designed to help people choose life. Sadly, not everyone that subscribed to Teal's teachings received that message. Leslie Wainsgard and her husband John began following Teal in the early 2010s. They even sponsored one of her early workshops in Utah, according to E! News. Teal said in a video interview that Leslie was suicidal, depressed, and anxious. In addition to seeing Teal for care, Leslie was also seeing a psychiatrist. Teal attempted to utilize her methodologies on Leslie to address her mental health concerns. But according to Teal, she wasn't applying them. And she met, Teal met John and Leslie in a dog park near where they all lived and just got to talking and Teal told John, hey, we were together in a previous life. We were married. We lived in a, his term was Eskimo village. Hmm. And that she went out on a whale hunt. Teal was out on a whale hunt in a previous life and drowned, but that they were married in this Eskimo village. So right off the bat, she's sort of endearing herself to John. And then John and Leslie were huge supporters of hers and sponsored some of her first workshops they were there taking tickets. They were rec- helping her record it. Blake was there to help her record it. So fairly quickly, they became, as a couple, very invested in Teal and her teaching. And a friend of theirs goes, yeah, as soon as they started hanging out with Teal, that's all they want to talk about. They're like, we're on this journey. We met this person. She's amazing. She knew us in a past life. She's so amazing. So instantaneously, they're drawn to her. And then on top of that, elevate her to the status of like, well, what do you need? A god, yeah. Yeah. It speaks to her being extremely persuasive and manipulative, too, that Charisma, you yeah. could meet somebody and one of the first things they tell you is, we used to be married and I died on a whale hunt. And then you leave that conversation with, I can't wait to see that person again. Instead of yeah. like, what the fuck just happened? Yeah. And the charm. He also, uh, this is my opinion based on listening to the audio interviews with him. John says immediately when I met Teal, I was attracted to her. Mm. I don't mean physically. I meant spiritually. And he's like, I'm spiritually attracted to her. But he it, it, it just mentioned it a lot. He mentioned it a lot of times. I'll say that. He mentioned clarifying not physically, but spiritually. Yeah, I said it. Like he doth protest too much? Yeah, just the, in my, the way I took it, maybe it's editing. Who knows? It seemed, you know, especially someone's like, we used to be married. I don't know. Whatever their, the nature of their relationship was, it didn't sound, in my opinion, healthy. He sounds enamored with her. They were both, yes. In May of 2012, Leslie was in a depressive state. Teal headed out of town on vacation and was out of cell phone range. When she returned... Teal described in footage obtained by Vice the nightmare scenario that awaited, saying she received three voicemails, one from Leslie in distress, one from Leslie's husband, John, saying they needed to see Teal right away, and a third from John, where Teal said he was screaming and crying hysterically. Leslie had died by suicide. A Sardeep recalled to Vice how Leslie's husband reacted when she completed suicide. John called Teal, and according to Sardeep, John was screaming and crying and saying, she's gone, she's gone, Leslie's dead. He was screaming. So, uh, like you said earlier, to put all your eggs in one basket, and then that 
basket goes out of town, you're setting yourself up to be very dependent on someone. And I guess the psychiatrist was unable to to help. I don't know. I didn't read that the psychiatrist had also been contacted or anything. Well, and so and I believe that she was also seeing a psychologist. So there were three possible players, but Teal in a Facebook post. So someone said, hey, I'm thinking about joining the Teal tribe, but I hear that she caused someone to die by suicide. Can anyone tell me what's up? And there's a screenshot of Teal, August 29, 2016. She posted this like screenshot that kind of outlines Leslie's story. And it just says like her childhood was bad. She was on a lot of medicine. She wasn't making a lot of progress. According to the Gateway podcast and some of the interviews in that Teal had instructed Leslie to stop taking her antidepressants. Mm. And so that will leave somebody in a Mm -hmm. vulnerable state. She had also uh, had helped her recover these memories of childhood sexual abuse, which, like we said earlier, that can then separate you from your family, further vulnerable, make somebody further vulnerable. And were there truths to them? Or they were all uncovered because of just sessions with Teal? They were recovered from sessions with Teal, and I believe the family said, we don't know anything she's talking about. But Teal in that Facebook post used the phrase, uh, in therapy settings, this is a dependent patient relationship. She said, Leslie was not, I was not making progress with Leslie over the years because she did not want to get better. She wanted someone to just be with her unconditionally. In therapy sessions, this is a dependent patient relationship. If they think they get better, they'll think they'll lose the connection with the therapist. Nothing much out of the ordinary. She was really unhappy, blah, blah, blah. So she's again saying, oh, this is like a therapy relationship. But she's also saying, this relationship is developing between her and I because she sees me as, you know, X, Y, Z, which like other medical professionals have said, yeah, if you go to school for this and you have a license to practice therapy, they teach you what to do when this happens. Yes. And what and what to do and what not to do. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, in my, in my eyes, she's practicing therapy without a license. That direct negligence led to this death. Yeah. Yeah. After Leslie died by suicide. Teal addressed Leslie's death in a YouTube video, saying, I actually, interestingly enough, lost my first client to suicide this last year. And this woman, who was absolutely miserable, I'm talking every moment of her life, was a nightmare. And so we had that very serious sit-down talk where we had to say, all right, we're either committing or not committing to life because every time I gave her a suggestion, she'd stop in two days doing the suggestion. So then we have to ask the question, do we really want this to work? And what's interesting is when she asked herself that question, the answer was no, I'm done. There's nothing that any healer could have ever done for that type of vibration, which is totally fine. From source energy, there's nothing wrong with death from that perspective. So she chose to commit suicide. I don't know about vibrations, but there is stuff that you can do when people are feeling like that. And it's called medication because I've taken it for years. So, yeah, there's a lot you can do for someone. And maybe it helps. Maybe it doesn't. But throwing your hands up and just saying, well, the universe just wants her to kill herself. So that's what's going to happen is extremely irresponsible. And I believe in another video, she says, well, she's already been reincarnated. And then that family upset her, too. And so she's probably already died by suicide again. <laughs> I'm not kidding. And I know of, you're not. And I don't mean to laugh. I'm laughing at how it's just absurd. Absurd. The it's whole absurd. she is and that she says this stuff comes out of her mouth. 
And I, I found it from, again, I think sometimes my lawyer brain's just like dormant. I don't think about it. But whenever I was watching this video and she's like, I lost my first client to suicide. I'm like, oh, she considers him a client. That means she knows she's fucking practicing without a license. That mm. to me is an admission that you were negligent. Like your behavior directly led to this person dying. Mm -hmm. In a different video interview, Teal said that as a result of Leslie's death, I went into a collapse for three days. Blaming herself and feeling guilty. However, a former follower, Tori, witnessed a different response from Teal, writing in a blog. It struck me as odd when Teal, her husband, and I were sitting there talking about it, that her reaction was to say, you know, and paraphrase, I'm not upset because she's dead. I'm upset about the fact that I lost a client and it could hurt my credibility. It blew me away and I just sat there. Well, again, she referred to them as a client and recognizes that this could be bad for her image, yes. which is wrong on several levels and parallels the scene in the deep end when there's a young woman who said you know i've struggled with these suicidal thoughts and i leave here and i'm so despondent and i think about you know i'm, I'm gonna kill myself i i just want answers whatever and then later teal's like she's paraphrasing she's like she's kind of a pain man it's really gonna make me look bad that she's mm. gonna go if she goes and does that it's a, it's again it comes back to the self like well mm -hmm. this is really reflective of me yeah well her whole yeah her whole model is built on her so i mean she's not wrong that it does make her look bad but she's very wrong that this could have maybe been, been prevented if she had just shut up yeah i think if she that's the other thing is this like egomaniacal absolute ego to just say I know better than and not mm -hmm. going John listen I've talked to your wife the other thing I will say if but just go and listen I've talked to your wife I'm very concerned about her safety I recommend inpatient or I recommend that she goes to do this and not saying I'm washing my hands of her I don't want to talk to you but being like this is more than a spiritual issue we've now gotten into a clinical diagnostic this needs to be treated like a, a an illness issue this is beyond me but she can't do that this bitch her head is so big mm -hmm. she would never she would never admit that she's out of her league but that's the other thing big old head with a lot of hair God, so all that hair big old head with all that hair but i will say too she, the other thing i noticed is that she is just blasting this woman's story all over the place mm -hmm. like doing interviews and everything if you're an actual practitioner, mm -hmm. you have patient or client confidentiality and you would not be doing that. So it's another way of like, why would what's the harm in Teal just helping people? Uh, because people tell her really fucking deep, dark shit that she is very willing when her ass is on the line. When people started going, hey, one of your clients committed suicide like you probably caused it. She's like, this bitch was fucked up for the following reasons. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you just turned on a person who literally put their life in your hands. You went and blasted them all over telling her her childhood. It was awful. Everything was terrible. And really imagine through... that woman's family. They're uh -huh. now hearing all of this stuff that they believe to not be true. Most of it probably isn't. And but but what was true is their loved one was very depressed and struggling and suffering and wasn't getting the help that she needed. Well, and Teal has sort of written her off in statements and said she, her life was terrible. It was always so bad. She was super depressed. Every day was a sad day. And people that were friends with her were like, she had a huge heart. She saved animals. She worked in hospice. She was a belly dancer. She had this other life. She just also had this struggle that then she was not receiving the treatment that she needed to receive. And Teal was like, she just wanted to give up on life. And one of her friends said, okay, well, if somebody was really that just done with it, why would they be seeing – 
a psychologist, a psychiatrist. True. Like there, there. She was clearly making these steps towards it, but then she falls under this care, and then this is the result. And then Teal blasts her story out. Her husband, for his part, very pro Teal, very strange. Interesting. He, according to some followers online, in the initial days and weeks after Leslie's death, he was extremely distraught. Obviously, naturally but also very mad at Teal. And then something shifted. And now every single interview with him on the gateway, he's like, hello, before we hang out, you know, before we stop this interview, I just want to make it clear that Teal Swan did nothing, that my wife was suicidal and that Teal did everything she could. And she had nothing to do with this. Wow. Um, and then he also said, I really miss Teal. I wish I could still afford to go to her workshops. <sighs> oh, so that to me was a bit of a, interesting uh, way to close it. But he was yeah. fully participated in the gateway, which if you, if the three episodes we're doing isn't enough, the gateway is uh, very fascinating. And Jennings Brown goes to, mm-hmm. I mean, he, I mean, and she gave him a lot of access. Mm-hmm. So it's a, extremely impressive. Of course, it's that first person kind of narrative, but it's uh, interesting. The thing that, that, that John Wayne's guard was thought it was pertinent to say that, you know, when Jennings goes, oh, is there anything else you want to say before we stop? He's like, she did nothing wrong. Teal did nothing wrong. I totally back and support her. Well, it makes you wonder, did someone tell him to say that? Does he really believe that? And he is brainwashed, still under her spell. Also, I'm not saying he should go back to her. In fact, I think the opposite. But if I had said something that led to someone taking their own life and then their spouse was like, man, I really wish I could still go see that person, I'd make an effort to, I don't know, waive the retreat fees. Yeah, give them a discount code or something so that they could still go. Because from my perspective, I, I'm, I was never a plaintiff's attorney, but I would take this case. I would take it if you if the spouse came to me and said, listen, this is what my spouse did. This person is practicing mental health counseling without a license and their actions to me, I would say argue it might be like negligence per se, because it's like, well, what's your duty uh, not to break the law and practice mm-hmm. mental health without a license? And you did. And that was the cause of my spouse. It's coerced suicide. It'd be a hard argument, but it and it's. That is definitely the law school in me where you're like, what? Tell me your life tragedy. Here's whose fault it is. Mm-hmm. That's where my brain like automatically it ruins your brain. If you think you want to go to law school, it will ruin your life <laughs> and your brain. But uh, you think in those terms, but also just like culpability. I'm like, I think morally she's culpable, but possibly legally be culpable. Yeah. So you're right. I think maybe maintain cordiality with a person who might have the uh, grounds to sue it you. It doesn't appear that they settled out of court or anything no, if I he think. can't afford to go to her retreats. So no, I think something, there was a session or a follow-up or something and his attitude toward her changed somehow. Mm-hmm. Sardeep was deeply disturbed by the incident and Teal's response. He told Vice, I believe I had entered into a relationship with a cult leader. And when I realized what she actually was, I decided to get out. It turned out leaving wasn't that easy. Sardeep filed for divorce, but Teal made an effort to make him stay. Sardeep told Vice, She tried to control the situation by trying to convince me that I'd been abused. I'd never been abused. Teal's ex-boyfriend, Jared Dobson, had a similar encounter. Teal guided Jared to uncover memories of abuse and even murder in a session. That led him to leaving the group. And in an interview with Vice, Jared said, The last thing she told me is if, if I were you, I'd just go kill myself. There's no help for you. There's nothing anyone can do. So we see this pattern of anytime someone tries to leave her, it's she goes to the ultimate links to get them to stay, which is manipulation, coercion, 
implanting false memories. It's, you know, I was reading this article today from, I believe it was Healthline. We'll link it in the show notes because she was diagnosed with borderline personality disorder. That one thing that people with BPD often do is called splitting. And it's a response to a fear of abandonment. And in that case, it's like, everyone is wrong. I am right. It's these very black and white things. And it's their way of protecting themselves from feelings of anxiety and abandonment. So you see anytime someone wants to leave, and also in the in the documentary when Blake wants to leave, it's just she starts saying the worst things you can imagine to them to get them to stay. It's just so manipulative. But then it's also protecting her uh, emotionally, I suppose, even and this is all done subconsciously, this this splitting to so when they do leave, then she's like, Well, they sucked anyways. They were never really on my side. They're the enemies. And that's what she did with um, a lot of followers online who have, like, written their accounts out mm-hmm. or things. And some – there's even, like, screenshots. She used to get into Facebook comment fights with people or, like, post things. That tracks. She, yeah. Well, she had mentioned about uh, Leslie's suicide. She had said, oh, I was with this really terrible person named Cameron. Well, then, if you look at the timeline, it wasn't Cameron. It was another person. But it was another person had quit. And it's like she was conflating – these stories, because she, every time a person quit, or not every time, but frequently when people would quit, she would just go scorched earth and, like, destroy mm-hmm. their reputation. Mm-hmm. And so it was just, she, like, almost couldn't keep them straight, like, whose reputation. She was like, Cameron did this. And then Tori commented and was like, no, that was actually me that you said in front of. And so all I think that's why there's this this group of former followers online who are creating blogs or creating receipts almost as a way to hang on to reality with each other because you have this person that's like gaslighting you that's yeah. like no you were there and you were you said these things and you're like I don't think oh I don't think I yeah. knew you then yeah yeah you know for sure and then you know you find um that comfort that you were looking for ironically when you sought out teal in those that have also left her teachings because you all realize you've just been had and mm-hmm. not just had but like you said gaslit and traumatized and abused them they're trying to recover from abuse and in turn get abused mm-hmm. sardeep eventually left obtaining a divorce and no longer creating content with teal he expressed his concern to vice saying after leslie's death the message didn't change teal was still telling people suicide was a reset button and now she had a bigger audience adding there was only one way this was going more danger more deaths more suicides more damage to mentally vulnerable people. Sadly, Sardeep's prediction turned out to be correct. Mackenzie Lazars was 18 years old, living with her parents in Washington State. She was feeling depressed and had recently gone through a breakup. Mackenzie found Teal online and began consuming her videos. On March 31, 2016, Mackenzie told her mom she needed to borrow the car. Before leaving to run an errand, Mackenzie lingered in the doorway, staring at her mom. She then left. Later, her mom recalled device. That moment was likely Mackenzie saying goodbye. The 18-year-old drove herself to an industrial area, called police informing them of her plans, then stepped out of her car and completed suicide on a grassy area nearby. After her daughter's death, Mackenzie's mom described herself to Vice filmmakers as going on a rampage to try and determine what happened to her child. That led her to Teal and the Teal Tribe Facebook group. When the grieving parents found their daughter's online post describing suicidal ideations, 
they didn't find a supportive community. Her mom told Vice, Nobody was calling McKinsey off the cliff. It was more of an atmosphere of do it, do it, do it. This makes me want to throw up. This whole um, interview with her parents is extremely heartrending. Her dad has her remain, you know, her remains there mm-hmm. and is just like, this is all that's left of my daughter. And I think as a parent, you would you would go on a rampage mm-hmm. because you would see that it wasn't that your child suffered in silence and then died by suicide. It's that your child suffered in a group and nobody said a fucking thing. Like nobody well, said. On the contrary, they perhaps encouraged it. Exactly. Right. Or yeah, that was the other thing. And that, that was some of the, the instances in the, the vice true believers episode was post where someone said, I'm having this feelings. And the answer was just posting Teal's videos yeah. to them. That yeah. that was, you know, it's the snakehead eating the the tail. You know, it just goes in a circle of like, I'm having these, I watched these videos, made me feel horrible. I have suicidal ideations. What should I do? And then people in the group are like, watch more videos. We have more videos yeah. for you to watch. Imagine how you're going to do it. Play it yeah. through. See it all out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, since then, and because of some other stories, too, that we'll talk about in the third episode, the Facebook group has been shut down. Yeah. But a new one has sprung up. Yes. And the n- same stuff is happening, which I don't imagine is a surprise to anybody. No. And I think that that's uh, this is showing just another way that people who are vulnerable the internet can be good, right? It can be a mm-hmm. place where you're like, nobody in my town looks like me or acts like me or understands what I'm going through. And I have this online community, but the really horrifying thing is there's no oversight. So you have an extremely vulnerable person who then is made their intentions clear and are instead of being stopped or intervention or something, they're being encouraged. Mm-hmm. Former follower Yona Curtis told Vice, I think Teal is significantly responsible for McKenzie's death. When followers were expressing thoughts of suicide, they weren't instructed to seek professional medical help, according to Curtis. Instead, the followers were redirected back to Teal's content, as if understanding Teal's teachings was the solution to those feelings. Tragically, Mackenzie wouldn't be the last member of the Teal tribe to take their own life. If you are thinking about harming yourself or attempting suicide, tell someone who can help right away. Call the toll-free 24-hour hotline of the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline by dialing 988 on any phone to be connected to a trained counselor at a suicide crisis center nearest you. So what do we think? So I know in the end of our first one, we were like, well, what's the harm in someone being a spiritual guide? And this is where I think we found the line, right? I mean, well before someone dying by suicide, but you find this line of instead of saying, here are some... uh, Teachings you can mull on saying, I'm diagnosing you with the disorder and I am now going to perform upon you what I think, in my estimation, is a good thing uh, that will help you because maybe it helped me. That's the other problem I think we have is I'm glad that everybody were uh, expanding who has a platform. We wouldn't find uh, fun YouTubers or podcasts we like without it. But I think we should all be cognizant when we're following following someone don't conflate experience with expertise. Mm-hmm. You have uh, one of the counselors that messaged was like, you know, Rachel Hollis was this like she I believe she had substance use problems. She like came out of it. She started writing all these self-help books that took a whole turn. That's a whole nother rabbit hole to go down as far as like, you know, whatever. But 
She's got no experience, or she's got no expertise. She just has experience. Mm-hmm. So it's one thing if you're Mary Carr, who's one of the most amazing memoirs of all times. Mary Carr wrote The Liar's Club. It's about child abuse, uh, you know, being abused as a child, coming up out of it, how she became a poet and a writer and things like that. Mary Carr was not like, and here's $500 to come to my seminar, and mm-hmm. I'm going to teach you how to fix your life. She'll be like, I'll teach you how to write, because she's real good at writing, and she loves to tell a story. She's a great storyteller, and people can can, I think, come to terms with things in their own lives by reading her work, and that's fine. But I think she's not stepping out of this box of, I'm here to tell my story and share my story, and then I'm also going to then tell you how to live your life. And what we have now is people who have harrowing experiences. I am a, I'm a sucker for a harrowing experience because, congratulations, you made it out. We covered Susan Walters on the show. You know, if you see Captain Sully landed a plane on the Hudson, that's great. But He's not also like, and for $500, I'll let you fly a 747 too. Mm-hmm. Come on down to the Sheridan Suites and into the ballroom. So I don't, I think it is a reflection on our society's lack of respect for mental health treatment as a profession and an, as a medical. It's the same thing, right? You don't talk shit to someone because they have a liver disease. Why do we talk shit to people because they have, you know, we don't need more. But back in the day, it's like, ah, suck it up, get over it. Now, hopefully, society is coming to terms with, like, we all need mental health treatment. There are places to go for treatment, ways to help yourself. We can suss out and go, like, just because this lady went through some really bad shit doesn't mean that she's going to solve all my problems and should be entrusted with people who are in great amounts of crisis. Like, we clearly see that's a medical issue that's, like, got to be dealt with by someone who's had some schooling and has got a little bit of oversight over them. She can tell people all day long of the abuse she endured and perhaps people see themselves in that and come to their own conclusions of how I can help myself based on what she said. But yeah, charging people is a totally different thing. It's one thing to share your story. It's another to then uh, charge money for something that you're not qualified to do. Like you said in the last one, you can't just start operating on people because you think you'd be good at it you have to go to school for that kind of shit and even so you know you can't say i got bit by a venomous snake so now i know how to treat the snake bites because somebody i watched someone treat the snake bite of me so i know how to do it i was there it's like no (laughs) you can say this how this worked for me but that doesn't mean it's going to work for everyone yeah i will say while the stigma around mental health is getting better i would say that one reason people like teal swan are successful is because there is a still a stigma around mental health. And a lot of people, instead of going and seeking out professional help at a, a, you know, a therapist's office or seeing a psychiatrist or a psychologist, it's easier for them to sit alone in their room on their laptop and just watch these videos and, you know, isolate themselves from, from friends and family and others. And you find this, you know, connection at 3 a.m. when you're, thinking of of ending it all and you and teal is just staring at you with her piercing blue eyes through the computer screen that can be very powerful for a lot of people so i agree with you that respecting the mental health profession and what professionals actually do we also need to continue to destigmatize the negative things around needing uh mental help and making it so people aren't embarrassed to go ask for help. And, and so where they, in, in, in educating people too, showing more people, this is why going to a, a 
a licensed counselor is good. This is why listening to someone who claims that they can help you on YouTube could be bad. Yes. And I think real licensed counselors, you'll hear Todd Grande even love him or hate him at the beginning. He'll go, I'm not trying to diagnose Mm -hmm. anybody in this video. It's just my opinion on what may be happening based on my training. And because he knows there's a line because he has that training, right? Anybody has that training. And you're right. Taking destigmatizing visiting a place like that, uh, you know, uh, whether it's like inpatient treatment or visiting just a either a licensed clinical social worker or a clinical psychologist, psychiatrist, and just going, yeah, we go and see that this is part of my regimen. It's part of my health regimen. Mm-hmm. I go see a podiatrist when my foot hurts. I go see a social worker or a licensed clinical social worker or a psychologist whenever I need that. Price wise, I mean, it's you know, 120, 180 bucks a session for a licensed clinical social worker and like, you know, 300 bucks for a psychologist. So having like high levels of insurance coverage that would cover that, mm-hmm. you know, just like you would cover a major illness, things like that. There's a big, there's a new John Oliver episode on that, on mental health uh, payment, like being able to pay for it and making it affordable as part of our healthcare system in general mm-hmm. and treating it like exactly what you would treat if you had a gallbladder issue. Well, that- and some, some, coverage does have that it's a copay and you pay a you know $30 copay to go see your therapist can everyone afford that absolutely not no so that's why it needs to be made available for for everyone Mm -hmm. absolutely well we'll get into um more tragedies and then the documentary and kind of where things are as of now in the next episode yep We love providing sinisterhood to you at no cost, so if you like what you hear, consider supporting the show by donating to our Patreon. We're a small operation, creating this show for you by researching, writing, recording, and producing it ourselves. Any amount is sincerely appreciated and helps offset the cost of making and hosting the show. As a thank you, you'll also get some sweet perks like ad-free episodes, a Sinisterhood sticker, membership to our exclusive Patreon Facebook group for those of rolling the airwaves and getting into it tiers, a special shout-out on the show, a monthly bonus minisode. This month was a minisode on Ezra Miller, and patron-exclusive video and audio content, including Am I the Asshole, Relationship Advice, Judge Christie, Dear Sinister, True Crime Headlines, and so much more. And patrons in the Getting Into It tier are also able to vote on a bonus content segment each month that they would like to see live-streamed. You also have the fun perk of access to our Discord server, where you can connect with other fans in real time and discuss the latest in true crime, share personal ghost stories, or just post adorable pictures of your pets. We hop on occasionally, and we host monthly Q&As on Crowdcast, where you can ask us all your burning questions. For patrons not in the U.S., you have the option to pay in pounds or euros, saving you the cost of the conversion fee. Annual memberships for all tiers are also now available. Those that select this option will be rewarded with a free month of membership. For more details on all of this and specific member tiers, visit Sinisterhood.com and click Patreon on the top banner. And make sure you stick around after our sign-offs to hear your shout-out. So many of you have been tagging us in pictures of you sporting your sweet Sinisterhood merch. Keep those pictures coming. If you want to get some cool Sinisterhood swag like t-shirts, mugs, totes, and even clothes for your kiddos, visit Sinisterhood.com, click shop on the top banner. The best thing you can do to help us grow is like, review, and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And please tell a friend who you think would like us to check us out. You can also share any episode by clicking the three dots in the top right corner and share topic-based playlist from Spotify by visiting sinisterhood.com slash playlist. All of this means so much to us and really helps podcasts like us get more exposure. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Sinisterhood Pod and like us on Facebook at Sinisterhood. Christy, where are you at? 
I am on Instagram at Christy M. Wallace, and I am on Twitter and TikTok at Christy or GTFO. Heather? I am on Twitter at MCK versus the world and on TikTok, TikTok and Instagram at Heather versus the world. As always, the devil rules the airwaves. Keep it creepy. everybody thank you so much for supporting the show on patreon here are your special patreon shout outs ina marina Moroto, olivia byvert robert sarah franklin michael gruenseth kate felkin rose olivia shelly myers natasha radlow shelly turner landry megan mays cassie plicka jessica minor brocka rex strongwater madeline neal emily litwin christineth Lingsencia, Kathy, Malia Robinson, Lee, Bonnie Marbury, Chloe Bowman, Ashley Keller, Cami Brimier, Christina Moffat, Michaela King, Lucy Lugo, Jenna Higginson, Jordan Maxwell, Kayla, Tracy Scott, Jennifer Heinzel, Meaty Thwack, Ellen Jacobs, Rachel Sam, Lacey Williams, Grills, Erica Doble, Homestead Hens, Tiffany Pride, Amy Linscott, Wren, Emily McChrystal, Sam H., Crystal St. Jean, Diana Ribera, Julie Harrington, Kate, Autumn Medlin, Arison Bunner, Victoria M. Thank you all so much for supporting the show. We could not do this without you. We hope we pronounced your names correctly. Stay safe, stay healthy, and keep it creepy. Wahahaha. <laughs> Sin